From Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Von Warnke, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time to download or stream this podcast, as this is a dream of mine to have my own show. It just is that simple. Um, I have been on some radio shows before, I've been a guest on other people's podcasts before, but I've never really had my own show, and this has just been a dream of mine that has come true, a dream that I've had for years, really, and it's come true with this podcast, and I'm so thankful that you are tuning in and listening today. It is a dream come true for me. Today we're going to be talking about positive thinking in the outdoors, staying upbeat when the unexpected happens, and I have a guest with me who I've had on the show before, Bill Henson, he is also called Prowler Bill from the Mac and Prowler TV show. Um, I'm also a co-host in the Mac and Prowler TV show, even though I'm not Mac or Prowler, I'm Dustin. I have a lot of fun with these guys. I write for the website, for the MacandProwler.com website, and you can visit that website at uh, MacandProwler.com, which is spelled M-A-C-A-N-D-P-R-O-W-L-E-R.com, or PredatorHuntingTVShow.com will also get you there, and you can get into my articles, and I'm getting ready to post some articles from Bill Henson as well, so we're both going to be contributing written word content, which is going to be really good as well. Today is an exciting day because this subject of positive thinking in the outdoors is one that is not talked about on a lot of other shows. It's not talked about it a lot in video or articles or different realms of the outdoor world a lot. And I really think that it's important and it's something that's near and dear to my heart because in my personal and professional life, positive thinking is everything to me. I hit a couple of points in the article that I wanted to go over with you real quick before we get started with the interview. The first one is be humble. And when I say that, I mean, you know, not being boastful or, um, you know, over-enthused about an accomplishment or something like that in front of people. You don't ever want to be that guy, you know. Um, Nobody likes a bragger, and uh, hunters with huge egos or fishermen with huge egos are a huge turnoff. And uh, that is something that's very, very important to me. It's one thing I try to practice on a daily basis, no matter what I do in the outdoor industry, is to be humble. Also, uh, number two is practice positive self-talk and daily affirmations. I'll talk more about this in the interview. I really believe in uh, the talk that we have, the self-dialogue or the self-talk that we have with ourselves is so important because it, it factors into so many of our actions in the future Uh, the way that we self-talk to ourselves now. So saying things like, I like myself, I feel terrific, I am, you know, thankful for today, all those kind of things help with a positive attitude. And we'll talk some more about that in our podcast today. Celebrate past accomplishments. As I'm recording this this, uh, podcast, I'm looking around me in my office and I have a ton of different heads of, of exotic game and native game to Texas, and a lot to remind me of all the past experiences that I've had in the outdoors and how much I have to be grateful for and give thanks for the many successful hunts that I've had and uh, sometimes the unsuccessful hunts, but you still come back with a great memory. And that works that way for fishing. It works that way for all realms of the outdoor world as well. Give back and share the wealth. Bill and I are going to talk about this um, for quite a while in our podcast today, so I won't touch too much on that, but that's number four. Number five is eliminate the negative, and we'll talk some more about that as well. Trying to stay positive when the the negative happens to you, getting the negative out of your mind so you can have a clear mind when you're out in the outdoors. That's important to having a positive experience. Be aware of your emotions and your response to a situation. That's huge. We'll talk some more about that. Number six, be aware of your emotions and your response to a situation. You know, how long do you stay mad at something? Or how long do you stay angry or upset? Uh, Is it 15 minutes or 15 days? If it's 15 days, you might want to work on that. And that's something we'll talk about that on um, on the show today. Remember that this is the golden age of our era. I talk about this a lot in my writing. It's the golden age of shotguns. It's the golden age of rifles. It's the golden age of, you know, anything. Archery, bow fishing. Uh, There's so many different innovations in our industry that have just become so prevalent and so technologically advanced that we have the best of the best of the best, and it continues to get better. And that's something to give thanks for. And um, then I talk about number eight, When's the last time you gave thanks? 
talk about a number nine, who made all of this. And I talk about God a lot in, um, I try to talk about God to some extent, but I don't want to come off as having a religious podcast. But I, I look at God as the creator of all this. I give thanks every day for all this. And there's so many reminders in the outdoors of things to be thankful and grateful for. So we'll talk about that. And then last but not least, number 10, what legacy will you leave behind? We'll talk more about that in the podcast. I'm really excited about this. Here's my interview with Bill Henson. What is your thought about how staying positive in the outdoors affects a hunting, fishing, or other kind of outdoor adventure? Well, Dustin, I have been a a long student of Zig Ziglar. Me too. And he he says, stinking thinking, get us in trouble. And he's right. Because I've seen it happen many times, uh, even in my life and in and hunting situations, and when I've been guiding people or when I've just been hunting with friends and family, I've seen the the negative attitude come out. You know what turned me around about positive thinking was Christian living, and the Bible says, "Give thanks in all circumstances." For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That is a good thing to go by. And you can find that in First Thessalonians. But I was going to say it's one of Paul's letters. That's right. One of yes. Paul's letters. Yes. You know, or even even the cross references between Psalms and Daniel and Ephesians. It's it's all through there. Today, if I was to go out, and if I am not prepared, it's my fault. No one else's, it's mine. So positive thinking means that I have got to set up a a, um, a series of events that I need to do or that need to take place for me to have a good hunt. A good hunt does not mean that I have to kill an animal. A good hunt means I'm going to have a good time. And I'm going to have fun wherever I'm at. My dad taught me a saying a long time ago. Well, if I'm not having fun here, I need to go home. But I can't have fun at the house. I agree. Uh, and that's that's one of the things that that I live by. If I cannot enjoy the company that I'm with, it's time for me to go. In the hunting industry, in the outdoor industry, in fishing and camping and hiking and biking and everything you do in the outdoors, our attitude is displayed before the world or anybody that we're around. And especially when you're on TV, you know you you know you got a camera on you, and uh, the camera's going to pick up your attitude. Now the editor can change that, but most of the time your attitude is going to show through. If you have a a missed shot, whose fault is that? It's not your guide's fault, is it? It's my fault. No. Right. Now how am I going to handle that missed shot? I'm going to go back and practice. I'm going to say, I made a mistake. I only know one that's perfect, and they crucified him. But you know what? There's a lot of things in your uh, article that you wrote. I've read it several times. Um, One of the first things that sticks out at me is be humble. And I I love that, that the way you started it out. And I am not a stinking thinker. Even though I have thinking things happen all the time, but I look for the good in all of it. Right. Um, I made a I made a poor shot on a on a bull elk with my bow, and it was nobody's fault but mine. He was big, and he was twenty yards broadsided. And he was tearing the countryside up with his horns. He was bugling and fixing to fight another one, another bull. Me not paying attention, I drew back. I'm fixing to shoot him, not realizing my arrow was not in my arrow rest. It had fell over against the riser on my bow. Oh, no, that's never good. <laughs> it's never, no, never I, uh, makes an accurate shot. <laughs> Well, the animal's 20 yards, and I've got an 18-inch target to shoot at, and I missed the whole elk by about four or five feet. Wow. And the arrow goes sailing off out to the right like a golf ball, like you, you shank a shot out to the right. 
and it it was horrendous. And I'm sitting there. Of course, the bull takes off, you know, with the, the air clamoring on the bow. And I could have let that get, I could have really let it get me down. But I'm saying to myself, I made a poor choice. It's my fault. I did not check everything I know to check. I shot enough animals with my bow. I know that there is supposed to be on that air wrist. <laughs> and it wasn't. But I later killed that same animal. It took me five more days to do it. And that was the first day of the hunt, by the way. But in those, um, the other five days that I was there, I got to spend some quality time with my mom. And she was in the camp with us, and she cooked for us, and she did all this stuff, because she loves the outdoors, too. And that time that we got to spend together, just she and I, was wonderful. I mean, it, my, my dad had just passed away, like, four or five months before that, and I didn't know how much she needed someone to talk to. Right. And how much I needed someone to talk to. And we spent five days in camp, you know, every night talking. And that was the positive side of it. Now, I later actually harvested that same bull. But though I would have missed those five days of being with her had I shot and killed the bull the first time. Now, wow. that was that was me looking for the positive in it we would have not had those five days together. And we really, both of us really needed it because I was missing my dad. She was missing her husband of 40-something years. And, you know, that's, things like that, just think that I have to humble myself around the people that I'm with. I'm not better than you are. I'm not any greater than you are. I may be older than you are, Maybe a little bit wiser, but I wouldn't even say that because, I mean, I, I've been bow fishing for years. And the first article you wrote on tilapia, I learned something. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you was just getting started in it. But that is, is the way that I, I can learn from anyone. I don't care how old they are, how young they are, how much experience they have. Now, some of the times I learn things not to do as well as things that I should do. Right. But that is, that's part of being humble. What is, uh, what is your, what is your thought process about uh, being humble? All talk and no walk. Humility, yeah. I talk about that in the article, you know, big hat and no cattle. There's just so many, you know, I run into this in 3D target archery a lot. I run into it a lot in, um, and hunting and fishing where it's all about the biggest and the best trophy and being better than the next guy and not really being thankful and humble for what you are com- you know, com- comfortable with doing and confident in the outdoors. And, um, you know, when you approach it with an attitude of humility instead of an attitude of I'm better than the next guy, just better things happen for you, I think. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, 100%. Because the best trophy that I have is I'm I'm bow hunting in uh, Colorado for elk. And I remember this. It was the last day of season. My uh, mom actually harvested a bull elk. And my dad harvested a nice mule deer. And I, being the last day of season and spending 500-something dollars on a tag, decided that I didn't want to go home empty-handed, so I shot a spike, which is legal with a, with the archer at that time. Right. Right. And the three of us actually harvested an animal the same day, the last day of the hunt, while we were in Colorado, and that was the last year my dad actually got to go. Wow. And that that spike bull means a lot to me, along with the 4x4 my dad shot and the 5x5 that my mom shot. Uh, he shot a mule deer. She shot an elk. And those three animals, I have all three of them mounted to this day. And every time I walk by them, I think about that day. That was the last hunt I ever got to go with my dad. Uh, The last hunt my mom got to go with us, with him on. And it was just a precious moment that we really enjoyed. And he's a spite, but he's a trophy to me. 
Yeah, and I've got I've got a um, management um, red stag that's in my office, and you know uh, he was a trophy to me too. And either way, what you're taking away from that is the experience. Is that what I'm? That's hearing? right. Yeah, that's right. That, that's experience powerful. is the it's the experience. It means it's it's the memories that it brings back. Because I remember how jolly and happy my dad was for my mom shooting this this nice bull, and he was just as happy for the spike that I shot, and he didn't even care that he had shot a nice mule deer. He was just tickled that we got to shoot one. And I, I said, I said, Daddy, we all three tagged out the last day of season right here on within four miles of camp. We've been up for 31 days. Right. <laughs> so, wow. you know, there's no telling how many bulls I passed up or, or either one of us could have shot, but the camaraderie of that time is it's just life-changing, in my opinion. It, it's a memory that will never go away. I take from that, you know, the big hat and no cattle theory or, or the statement, and it's not the size. It's the memory that it created. That's perfect. Everything that I harvest with a bow or a gun is a trophy, in my opinion. That's just me talking. I'm not a, I don't shoot horns. I have, but I don't do it anymore. I'm 63 years old. Right. I look for the experience. And I've, I've actually wandered up on deer before and could have shot one right there and said, nope. This ain't the way I want to take one. And that sounds silly to a young person or even to old, some of the older people or older hunters. They say, man, I'd have shot that deer in a heartbeat. I said, well, that's the difference between you and me. And, and I, I don't tell them that, but that's what I think. Because I found out that the smaller my ego gets, the more fun I have and the more memories I create. Exactly. And, and- yeah, you don't want to end up being that guy, you know, that it was always bragging about being bigger and better and having, you know, this, that, and the other and the nicest this and whatever, you know. It's just as a turnoff, number one. But for your, you know, for you and me both, we both look for the experience in the moment, and I think that's a very powerful, you know, thing as far as keeping a positive attitude in the outdoors, you know. It's a powerful, powerful thing. Exactly. Uh, Norman Vincent Peale is another one that that I, I love to to read his work, and he practices positive self talk and daily affirmations. And I know you do the same thing. I, on the other hand, have to have my goals written down. I know a lot of people say, "No, you just put them in your mind and go." Well, my goals are written down, and I walk by them every day. And I'm here in my office. Every day I'm in my office, and I run my hands down my goals. I have major goals, short-term goals, long goals, long-term goals, uh, and things like that. <clears throat> but I am not – I found out a long time ago, it don't matter what you have, how big your toys are, how many you got, there's somebody's always going to have more, better, and bigger toys. Right. And that's not what this is all about. I am a big believer in using what you have. And if you're a stinking thinker, then you need to change that process. The only way you can do that is that you have to make up your mind is I'm going to look for the good in everything. The Power of Positive Thinking. It is a must-read book, in my opinion, for everyone, whether you're a hunter or not. Um, You know, the philosophy behind it goes back eons in in time, uh, even before the time of Christ. Uh, you know, you got all, all – then there's all this stuff that's in the Bible. If you read history and you study history, you're going to find out the people who are on top, a lot of them got there in a way that I would not want to do it, but most of them that get there on their own, they start out with positive thinking. Is it positive or is it negative? What do you think yourself? What does it sound like? Right. Um, is it uh, is it is it defeated? Am I defeated? You know, it sounds hokey in a way, but it works. 
It does. And one of the things that I'm really big about is daily affirmations and, and, you know, our self-talk. We all have self-talk, and that self-talk is usually either one or two things, positive or negative. Um, Being aware of what you say to yourself when you're in the middle of – I'll take 3D archery as a good example of that. Um, You know, the days that I would show up in front of a target and have a a target in front of me and go, you know, well – I don't, I don't think I'm going to make this shot. You know, you pretty much determined by your thinking if you're going to make that shot or not, or if you're going to make a 10 or a 12 or an eight or a five, you know? Right. And, and I say to myself things like, I feel healthy, happy, and terrific. Uh, I like myself. Um, I love what I do. I love hunting. I love fishing. I, I say those kind of things to myself. One of the things that I've been saying in the last few years, even even after I wrote this article, is I am thankful for all that I have had, for all that I have, and for all that I shall have. Exactly. And that's a daily affirmation saying to yourself, and it sounds kind of hokey to say those kind of things. It, it may, but, I mean, to me, that keeps my mind focused on positive things, being thankful, being grateful. And a lot of people, when I wrote that article, I wasn't really a subscriber to the law of attraction, but I kind of have been, not if you go sit in a field somewhere and – you know, uh, uh, you know, dream of a bike, a bike will appear in front of you. That's not the kind of thing I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, keeping a positive mindset and good things happening as a result because of your actions follow your feelings. Yeah. And there also, you also have to have that same mental attitude when things don't go 100% the way you predicted it to. Bingo. That's exactly what I wanted to talk about on this podcast. Because I have seen many times, many times, where things didn't well for instance i'm i was hunting a trail one time and and i'm archery hunting at this time and i know that the deer he's gonna he's gonna come in he's gonna check his scrape he's gonna he comes in every morning or every evening or at night i've got him on the trail cam and he comes out this trail same way every time every time except for this one day And he comes in from my right instead of from my left, like I thought he should have. And the only place that I could, there was no trees I could actually put a stand in, so I just went in and made me a spot on the ground. I'm going to sit on the ground, and I'll be shooting at about 15 to 20 yards max. And it's perfect. I had a big hole to shoot through, and there's no way he could see me, and I could hear him coming for a long ways off. There was absolutely no wind. And what does he do? He comes in from my right. Well, I'm a right-handed shooter. Well, I can't turn around and shoot to the right with my bow. Right. And he's walking in, checking his scrapes, and he gets about 25 yards from me, I'd say, and just instantly freezes. And he's looking straight at me. He don't know what I am. I haven't moved. He can't smell me. And... He just knows that there's something there that hadn't been there before. Something was out of the ordinary. Yep. I was the out of the ordinary. And what did he do? He never takes his eyes off of me and backs up every step that he took coming in. It it was almost a a duplicate of it in reverse because he backed out of there, never taking his eyes off of me, even though I never moved. He never saw me. He just knew that I was not supposed to be there. And that's how he lived to be such a ripe old age. And that one time when I decided to hunt him, you know, everything was right. The wind was right. The snow was right, you know, and and, and everything was perfect, except he did not come in the same way he'd been coming in the two weeks prior to that. And I waited to the perfect time to hunt him because it's probably score 140, 150, which is a real nice deer in northeast Texas. Oh, yeah. And, of course, we were hunting on a lease, but, I mean, those these deer are free roaming. And a friend of mine actually harvested deer the next year, the same deer. And he had a big white spot. I guess he had been injured in a fight or something like that, about the size of a uh, silver dollar right behind his left shoulder. And I, I've got probably 30 or 40 pictures of that same deer. But that, that that deer was smart. Now, what did I take out of that? Did I do everything right? Yes. Did I do anything wrong? Mm, 
probably didn't plan well enough. Probably should have found some way to get off of the ground a little bit. But had he come in the other way, it would have been 100% uh, opposite. I'd have had a 20-yard, 25-yard shot through a three-foot hole in the brush, and he wouldn't have went far. Wow. I'm thankful that I got to see that deer do something I've never seen another deer do. He never moved his tail. He never moved his head, left or right. When he saw me, he froze. I mean, did not move a muscle for at least 45 seconds. And then he just starts backing out. Never looks back behind him. But I'm assuming that he can see something back there, but I don't know that for sure. But he traced his own. It looked like he stepped in the same steps in the snow. And I thought that was an amazing that that animal could do that. Yeah. But he knew yeah. that I was not supposed to be there. Well, now and, that that was poor planning on my part, was it? Not really. My circumstances that happened, but I got to see something it. in the wild that I'd never seen before. And you took something away from it that you know. Well, this this happens. I, there there comes a point where you have to look at your gear, whether you're fishing or hunting or hiking or camping or whatever. And, you know, be as prepared as you possibly can. But then there's, and I've had circumstances like that in the woods where there's nothing you can do to prevent a, you know, quote-unquote negative situation from happening, and all you can do is all you can do. Yep. And there's no reason to kick yourself in the tail and be upset or, um, you know, things that are out of your control or out of your control. And that's one thing I think that we miss a lot of times in the outdoor world is, that things are going to happen. It's it's not the it's the reaction versus the response. And if we take the the thing where we react and throw our hands in the air and flop at the floor and foam at the mouth, as as one of the radio show hosts I listen to talks about, when you have a negative experience, it doesn't do you any good for your future mindset. Um, if you're if you if you react negative negatively, once you respond positively. You know, and what did I learn from this is the takeaway. You know, that's yeah. getting on the right track. I totally agree. Celebrate your past accomplishments. See, that that same hunt right there was an accomplishment to me. What did I accomplish? I saw a deer do something I didn't know they could do. I'll give you another example of a past accomplishment. I didn't harvest this animal, but I was in Colorado, and I was bow hunting. And I had a probably 190 class mule deer come down wow. off of a mountain. That's a nice one. He's a monster. And I <laughs> said, I'm going to kill him. I never did. But I saw him lay down on a boulder. I'm talking about his feet are out in front of him. He lay down with his chest and his belly on the boulder, his back feet sticking out behind him. And there's about a 20-foot drop there, and he slid off of the boulder and held onto that boulder as long as he could and then dropped down to the ground below it. I've never seen that before. Wow. I was sitting there amazed. I go, what? Because what I knew he wasn't going to jump. That's, that's a long way down. But he came right, slid right over that boulder, right down to the ground, right down to the trail. Now, why he did it, I don't know. But I was amazed when I saw that. You know, that that was an accomplishment. Yeah, I did not, I didn't harvest him. But I saw something that stuck in my mind forever. You know, how 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 cool was that, that this animal was, I'm assuming, was trying to be quiet because he was slipping. I could tell he was sneaking and apparently another hunter or something above him was had had spooked him or something like that, but he was not he was not on alert, he wasn't running. He had his ears cocked back, not in the fighting stance, but in a uh serious I call it a serious stance posture was what he had. His posture was more serious and he was working on being quiet because the leaves up there was very dry. It was real dry that year. 
And I never heard him break a twig. I never heard him break a leaf. Now, I was probably 60, 70 yards from him when he slid off of the boulder. And I never heard his feet hit the ground. Now, if anybody knows anything about Colorado when you're in elevation 8,000 feet above or higher, sound travels forever, seems like. And this deer was doing his best to be quiet. Now, I didn't harvest the animal, but it is a perfect example of celebrating past accomplishments. I got to see something I've never, ever seen in my life. And I, I've taken 20-something deer, uh, mule deer with a bow, and I don't know, probably that many elk also. But that was something I had never seen. And to me, I, I harvested a nice nice animal that year, and to me that was just icing on the cake. Because the accomplishment I had already seen and witnessed. I know a lot of people think accomplishment is your trophy that you've taken, and and I've got, I've had forty or fifty animals uh, mounted in my in my game room and all that kind of stuff. Well, about six or seven years ago, you, well, let's see, it's two thousand. No, it's longer than that. It's fifteen years ago now. Two thousand uh, Christmas Day, uh, we had a big ice storm here. And all of the uh, electricity went out, and there was a rechargeable light in my game room. Electricity come back on, goes off, came back on. Anyway, we was out of electricity for uh, two weeks. Wow. And that built, that room caught on fire because that light was going off and coming back on for whatever reason. I don't know. That's what the fire department said. I lost all my mouth. Lost all my pictures. Man. And my wife said, well, that's that's going to, I know that makes you sick. I said, yes, it does. She said, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to start rebuilding. I'm going to rebuild my my entire accomplishments again, I hope. But I'm not going to be mountain animals as much anymore. It's more about the pictures and the memories and, and my past accomplishments. <clears throat> Just like that spike bull I was talking about earlier. That was a huge accomplishment for me uh, because all three of us actually filled our tags the last day of season. It was the last day of the hunt for us, and it was the last time we got to go hunting with my dad. So, you know, that was an accomplishment. Now, I've got a, a 158-class whitetail that I shot. That's a trophy. He's mounted. I got a 170, 174-mule deer mounted. Uh, that's and all those hearts with a bow. They're all accomplishments, and they mean something to me. That's just that's what I call the icing on the cake. Sure. That's the reason they call it hunting and not killing. That's right. Just like one of the guys that I was just talking to before we got hooked up here, he said, "How much are you getting paid to do this?" I said, "I'm not getting paid anything." He said, "Wait a minute now." You're gonna you're gonna go out and take your time, and you're gonna sit and talk to people, and then let them listen to some of your stories, and you're not gonna get paid for it. And you get paid for writing, you get paid for speaking, and all this kind of stuff. I said, yeah, but we got to give back. We got to share it. We got to share the wealth. Absolutely. And if yeah. we don't do that, then we have not accomplished. We're not accomplishing what we should should be. I'm a I'm a supporter. I'm a promoter of organizations. Um, uh, hunters for the hungry. I, I, I remember that in your article, and, and I'm a big supporter of that. I'm a big supporter of, of veterans. Uh, if if you, Dustin, came to me and wanted to hire me to take you out on a predator hunt, it would cost you X number of dollars for whatever we agree on. If a veteran comes in and we do the same hunt, he's not going to pay near what you pay. Because right. I'm going to offer him something in return for his services for helping me and my family. Right. And the wounded veterans are not even going to pay that much. Matter of fact, they probably won't pay anything. Because <laughs> right. I want to take them hunting. I want to enjoy their camaraderie. Uh, I, exactly. I want to help them out. 
how can how can we uh, kids kids can't pay me back. I love kids. My wife said the reason I get along with kids so much is because they both have the same IQ level. <laughs> but I told her I said you're you're hurting the kid when you say that. <laughs> oh, it's just a joke. But you know, uh, even PETA, you know, there is good that can come out of PETA. And when I say that, hunters go look at me. They go, "What's wrong with this guy?" <laughs> right. You know, uh, hardcore vegetarians, or what? Vegans? Is that what they call them? Something like right. that. Right. But you know, you can learn something from all of them. You can give back, just like the the lady that came to me and and because we were we'd done a, a, a TV show about flight of the bullet. That's the one where you can actually see the bullet going through there, hits a coyote in the neck. And she said, that's just so gross. Why are you shooting these poor little defensive coats? And I said, well, that coat was actually trying to kill our dog and eat it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And But I said, that's beside the point. But the point is, she said, well, I'm going to carry you to court over that. And I said, will you really? She said, you don't understand. I said, what do you mean I don't understand? She said, we we could really, I've got exactly how she put it, but what she was trying to say was she can make my life miserable. And she said, why are you, why are you laughing? Why do you think this is so funny? She said, I'm serious. I said, I am too. Let's go. She said, why are you so excited about it? I said, look at all the free advertisement I'm going to get. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Needless to say, they never did do it. But I try to look at things differently. There's a saying that that I go by, and I'm, I'm going to, I know I'm, running off at the mouth here a lot, but that's okay. <laughs> I am not what you think I am. I am not what I think I am. I am what I think you think I am. And you need to take that and put it in your pipe and smoke it for a little while. Yeah. It makes you humble whenever you see that or whenever you deep. learn what that little statement means. And I know deep. you've read it before. Mm-hmm. But when you take put it in your heart and, and you use that in the hunting, in in the outdoor atmosphere, I don't, and I say hunting all the time because I do more hunting than I do fishing, but I love fishing. Uh, but in the outdoor industry, in the outdoors period, when I call it the outdoor industry, I don't mean the the uh, the sales and all that kind of stuff. Use what you have, enjoy the moment. Take a kid hunt, take your kid hunt, take somebody else's kid hunt, take a, a lady hunting, uh, one that enjoys the outdoors. You know, we carry we carry women with us all the time. And uh, one one example was a 17 year old girl that she loved to hunt. She loved to hunt. And we just got in some new AR rifles from Olympic Arms. And we asked her, "Would you mind shooting one of these?" She said, "No problem." And came a big snowstorm in Northeast Texas, which is six inches. That's a that's a monster snowstorm here. I know everybody yeah. up north laughs at it. Yeah. But, that's big. We go out. We go hunting. Yeah, in northeast Texas, that's that's a that's a blizzard. <laughs> but we go out hunting. We call in seven coats, and after seven, we finally stop. Say, hey, why are you not shooting these coats? Because I mean, we had two within twenty yards of her. Uh, and come find out, she was afraid to shoot the gun because of the circumstances. She didn't have time to shoot it before we went hunting. So I I got the gun. I said, let me show you something. I put it on my chin, and it's a two twenty three AR-15. And because she had been told these are assault rifles, these are bad rifles, and all this kind of stuff. So she never heard from the media. And so I put it on my chin, and there's a bush out there, I don't know, 40, 50 yards. And I just go, bop, 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 as fast as I can pull the trigger and just tear the bush up. And I hand it back to her. I said, now you shoot the bush. Well, after she figured out that it didn't kick, she killed the next one coyote that we called in, which was awesome. Now, stop. Stop. she would not have shot that last coyote because we were getting ready to, to call her the day. Had I not taken the time and the opportunity to show her that the gun does not kick, but because it looks like an assault rifle, she was afraid of it. Right. An evil black gun, as the media says. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. And I'm I'm of the same thought process she was until I actually got to shooting them. I didn't want one of them things. I wanted my 
uh, Remington BDL Model 700 BDL with a 300 Win Mag or 270 or 7 millimeter or 25 volts. I wanted to shoot those, bolt action, you know. And that's actually what we use because I that's what I own. And my partner, Mac, he used guns that he had. We didn't go out and buy guns just for predator hunting. Right. But they started coming in later on. So people started, hey, I want you to shoot my gun. I want you to shoot, I want you to shoot my shells. I want you to use my call. Well, that goes back to giving back and sharing the wealth. And that's one of the things I can honestly say that Mac and I try to do as much as possible. And sometimes it, it works 100% to the good, and sometimes it's not so good. I mean, when you got a kid in a wheelchair, it's a lot of work. But whenever you see that child harvest his first animal, whether it's a coyote, a bobcat, a pig, a goat, or a deer, I've seen him so excited that he started crying. And sure. I, I said, are you upset? No, 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 I'm just so thrilled, you know, and they're just, they just want to scream. And uh, he... This this young man actually watched a lot of hunting shows, and he was he was trying to contain his excitement, and he was just so excited he just started crying because he couldn't do nothing else because he wanted to shout. And that, all the shows he'd seen, is, they whispered at the end when they just right. shot the animal, <laughs> and yeah, and he thought that's way. And here we are jumping up and down, hooping and hollering, and and he finally starts hooping and hollering. Of course, he can't jump up and down; he's in a wheelchair. Right, and he said. Y'all got so excited, I just couldn't contain myself. I had to holler, too. I said, that's what it's all about. When the excitement of harvesting an animal leaves, it's time to quit hunting. I've said that many, that's the way many I look times. At it. I've said that many, many times. And, I mean, there's a lot of ways outdoorsmen don't know that they can give back. I mean, you and I are involved in a lot of different organizations and support a lot of different things. You know, I talk about Hunters of the Hungry and that kind of stuff, but I've got a wounded warrior uh, organization, Crosswater Outfitters, the fishing ministry that I'm a part of, uh, Hill Country Bow Owners, which is a Christian 3D archery uh, club here in Central Texas that I'm a part of, um, and there's just Camp Agape. It's not that really an outdoor hunting and fishing thing, but it's a bereavement camp for kids that have lost loved ones, you know, from the ages of about 7 to 12. And, um, you know, walking through the grief process, and it's a camp that we do in the summer. There's so many ways you can give back in Thanksgiving for what you've received, you know, and, and your formidable experiences in the outdoors and, and adult experiences and, and everything that you've had, you know, uh, have and, and shall have. You know, there's just so much to give back thanks for. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. That adds to the positive mindset, in my humble opinion. That's one reason I stay so positive is because I constantly find areas of my life to give back to, and that keeps me filled up spiritually, you know. And, exactly. Um, and I think that's a good a good thing to notice. Well, you know, we're all talking about positive, but how do you how do you eliminate the negative? Now, I'm, I'm throwing this on you. I have my my ways of doing it, but how how does Dustin Warnke eliminate the negative well i mean as i mentioned in the article there's so many different negative negative you know uh sources out there the news if it bleeds it leads if you uh want to hear a, a sad story just go ask anybody you know and and that kind of stuff one of the ways that i do that is just to keep a positive mindset about me but when a negative thing happens i ask like you talked about earlier what have i learned from this and what can i learn from this and I just I try to accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative, just like the uh, the old song says. And um, you know, it depends on where you get your information and how you consume what goes into your mind. And if you don't put a lot of negative energy in your mind, you won't think negatively. That's just a very simple age-old you know practice that I use. Garbage and, in, garbage out. Uh, garbage in, garbage out, exactly. And and that's one reason why I stay away from, you know, my wife likes to watch the news in the evenings, and I stay out of the kitchen when she's doing that just because, you know, if I want to know something, I'll go on the Internet and find out in about 90 seconds. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, there's Thank no you. need that I need to go through and rehash all the stuff that's happened before, you know, and think about it. And it's not a bad idea to know about what's going on in the world and to pray for those that are in need. And that's another way you can give back is through the power of prayer and taking care of, of, uh, of those in that way. But you don't let negativity fester in your mind. That's how I eliminate it from my life. I just don't let past missed shots or, you know, missed catches or whatever I face in my personal life or my outdoor life or my professional life get in the way from staying positive. And that's probably the easiest way I can kind of, you know, make that a, a summary of, of how my philosophy is. Well, mine goes right along the same line as yours, except I add one more thing to it. It's called practice. Absolutely. Practice, 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 practice I forgot practice. to mention that. <laughs> but yes, you're right. But that's, 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 what, that's what I do. If I go um, and I miss a shot, uh, shooting a 3D tournament, um, Max got a little 3D tournament behind his archery shot, I go out there and I shoot it. We shoot it competitively. And if I miss a shot, because you're shooting unknown yardages, because he changes it all the time, it's not easy to shoot. I'm telling you, it's very difficult. You're shooting under limbs, over limbs, through a hole, whatever or you're having to kneel down on one knee or lay down and shoot a bow, which is one of the shots that he put in there. That is very difficult to do unless you practice. So when I miss that shot, which is the one that was kneeling, I shot a lot of times kneeling. I know how to do it. And I missed. I mean, I missed the whole target. Of course, I thought the target was 30 yards, and it was 45, because it's hard to tell through all the brush. But anyway, I go back. I come back here. And my wife said, what did you score? I told her. She said, what happened? I said, I missed the target totally. And she said, what are you fixing to do? You're getting all your stuff together. I said, I'm going to go out here and learn how to shoot again. <laughs> right. I'm going to start I'm going to start walking through the woods, judging this. I call it stump shooting. I have. Right. I carry blunts with me, and I shoot blunts a lot at stump. And that's when I'm shooting my recurve. When I'm shooting compound, it don't, it don't matter. You shoot a stump with a blunt, it's going to go in there anyway. But, uh, that's that's some of the things that I do. Practice, practice, practice. Uh, I, I just got a, a an Olympic Arms just came out with a new gun. It's a uh, AR-15 style 308, and you can change the upper out and put a, a 223 right in right on the receiver, right on right on. And it's it's easy to do. That's pretty. Well, slick. I got one of these guns, and it is slick. And I go, well, why hadn't anybody ever thought of this before? You can change out from a 308 to 223 or a 9mm or whatever you want to shoot in probably a minute or less, you know. And I'm out shooting this thing. She says, why are you out shooting today? I said, I, I got a new gun in. I want to shoot it. She goes, why is that gun different from the rest? I said, it's not. It's just me. I just want to shoot. I want to make sure that I am comfortable. When I put that to my shoulder, the crosshairs are where I want. Right. And you can't do that. Even as much as I shoot or Max shoots, we can't do that when we get a new gun. I cannot throw it up, generally speaking. But now there's some guns that you get, just naturally it goes there. But I want to make sure before I go out hunting with it, that when I put that gun to my shoulder, it is comfortable. I'm going to set it up. If I have to cut the stock off or extend the stock or drop the angle down on the on the stock or whatever I've got to do to make it fit me, that's what I'm going to do before I carry that gun out. And I do every one of my guns that way. So it's preventative, you know, preventing and, and preparing and setting up your equipment the best way. But when something happens to you, it just goes back to thinking, thinking, and and what we yep. talked about before, with, um, you know, <laughs> it's not what happens to you, it's what you do with what happens to you, you know, exactly. kind of thinking. It, it, it's being as prepared as you possibly can, but when things go wrong, you know, not to blow things out of proportion. I've seen so many hunters and fishermen and everything, after they miss a shot or lose a fish or whatever the case may be, they just they just completely blow it out of proportion and they have a horrible rest of the trip. Yeah. And you know, it's just it's sad to see that, but I mean the other the other end of that is that it doesn't have to be that way, you know. Exactly. You can recover from that, you can respond instead of reacting to that 
and and have a good rest of the trip and get over it. You know, it's, it's part of the deal. It's not just to harbor that in there and let it fester and be negative for the rest of your life, you know, because you had a bad experience. You learn and you respond and you get over it. Well, that's one of the things that that's that goes right back to what we was talking about, eliminate the negatives. Practice helps eliminate negatives. Right. But I try to use positives on everything that we do, uh, and I try to give thanks for it. Uh, one of the questions that I ask myself almost every day, I won't say every day, but almost every day, is when's the last time I gave thanks to God, to my wife, to my friends, to my business partners? When have I told them, hey, I appreciate you? Yeah. Or, man, that was a good job. One of the things that I appreciate about my wife is that when something new crops up, she's going to make a form out. This form is a list of do's and don'ts, equipment needed, and things like that. And she'll come in there, and we'll sit down and discuss it. Now, what have I missed? And what she's doing is she's eliminating the negative if she can. She's making us aware of our emotions and our response to a situation that has not happened yet. She's trying to look ahead. And then she's going to say, when we get through and what she is and, and I and, and the staff have sat down and done, is we're going to go back and after the shoot and we're going to go through that same scenario, what have we missed? What have we done? And then I tell my wife at the end of the thing, I said, I should appreciate all the work that you put into this because it made it easier for us not to have to worry about X, Y, and Z. All we need to worry about is A, B, and C. Right. And take care of it. That's just one of the things that we do. And we do that also in the outdoor industry. If I'm going to go on a trip and and we're shooting a, well, we went to Kansas. Mac and I went to Kansas on a predator hunt. We actually went up there on a pheasant hunt, and we hunted predators while we were there. And the first thing that my wife asked me just before I'm about to walk out the door, because circumstances did not allow us to sit down and talk before I was getting ready to leave, and she said, have you got your predator call? Uh, don't Oops. think so. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> where's your list? <laughs> yeah, where's your where's your packing list there, Bill? Yeah. yeah. She said, "What would you have done if I hadn't told you about your protocol?" I said, "We'd have used a hand call. <laughs> you would have but, used an electronic one or something. You would have figured it yeah. out." But yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and oh, my you goodness. know, we we have someone that's running our video production company for us, and one of the things that that my wife and I sit down and talk to these people about was what is the legacy that you're going to leave behind? Is it going to be the same legacy that Bill and Debbie Henson left behind? Or is it going to be something negative? Mac and I and Dustin, I, I know this for a fact because we've done had too many conversations and, and all that. If it is not good, we're not going to use it on our show. Right. If we can't believe in it, we're not going to use it. And the legacy that the three of us want to leave behind is teach kids the right way to respect the outdoors, the right way to respect and honor God, the right way to respect and honor your elders. But one of the things that we, the three of us are trying to do is we're trying to teach by example. The legacy that we're going to leave is a memory, whether it's on videotape or it's just in someone's mind, or it's on a DVD. Are we going to be excited about the day? I'm 63 years old and tickled to death that I lived this long. I'm the oldest living member of the Henson family. Wow. None of the males have ever lived to the age of 60 until I came along because the diabetes killed them, and I am a diabetic. Right. And, you know, what kind of legacy am I going to leave? What are you going to leave, Dustin? you got a boy that's, that's, that's growing up right now, and he looks at Daddy all the time. He sees Daddy say yes and no and wants to know why. My whole point is of the um... – of the legacy is that we all leave a legacy of some kind behind. Oh, yeah. And the fact we don't, you know, we don't really realize to the extent of how much we impact other people's lives 
and other people's lives as a result of us impacting other people's lives. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, it's a ripple effect is what I'm trying to say. The actions and, and the mm-hmm. legacy that we act out in our lives and leave with others goes on to generations and generations that aren't even here yet. And that's right. something I talk about. It's kind of a deep thing, but I, I talk about that in the article a little bit, is is that the legacy you leave behind is, is, is in the actions that you're creating right now and in the way you treat people and in the way that you respond to situations instead of reacting to them. Um, that's exactly. the whole point of positive thinking in the outdoors and, and just the way that, you know, um, is that you're creating a legacy and you're creating a memory. And, you know, one of my formative hunting experiences as an adult back in um, the early 2000s, I was uh, hunting on Fort Hood, and I had a hunting guide. They're all volunteer there. And he was just a jerk. He just had wanted nothing to do with it. I just kind of, you know, uh, really – dismissive of any question that I had and just was, and he almost turned me off of hunting completely. (laughs) And, you know, that was a legacy right there. You know, he had the power to change my mind about, okay, all hunters are like this, you know, and we just never know who is listening and who is watching as we've talked about before. And those kind of things all form the legacy that we leave behind. Positive or negative. Well, one thing that got me was the first uh, autograph that I had to give. I mean, I didn't have to, but that, that I give it. A young man came up to me. We were at the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania uh, outdoor sports show thing. Uh, walking through there, and he, he hollers out, Mr. Prowler, Mr. Prowler. I turn around, this kid runs up to me and holding a, uh, I think it was a guide for that, that show. And he said, well, can I have your autograph? And I said, sure. Well, we're in the process of going to a booth to meet with this company because they had called us and wanted to meet with them and talk about sponsorship and all this kind of stuff. And so I I knelt down on one knee and I I asked him his name and I signed it and his his mom took a picture of me and him together. Now Mac had already gone inside; he was not there when that happened, but. And I sat there and I talked to him for just a second. I shook his hand and I got up and walked inside. When I walked inside, they said, well, I can see that you don't think this meeting is very important if you're going to spend your time out there with a kid. I, I, I explained to the owner later on, I said, that child, if I had just brushed him to the side and not taken the time to sign the autograph and have my picture made with him, I would not have got to know him at all because now, we talked, oh, at least uh, this was eight, nine years ago, I guess. He's probably 15 or 16 years old now, and we've been hunting together three different times. Uh, every summer, he wants to take off and come down to go hunting with me and Matt. Wow. And we don't hunt when it's 100 degrees down here. And one year, he planned his little vacation he saves his money every year and he travels down here and i mean his parents they they get him down here and all this kind of stuff and, and we do a hunt well this one year when he came down to the 100 something degrees and i told him i said i don't hunt when it's 100 something degrees but we will go out for a little while he said well what about bow fishing i said let's go because <laughs> there's always an, an alternative and he actually he actually shot his first fish with a bow while he was with us and we got it on film and it turned out to be a great deal and wow. you know i just heard from him just the other day he's he's a very nice young man and he's still well he's graduated high school now right and he's he's going to college and he told me just the other day and i, I ain't bragging on me I hope, I hope people understand that i'm not doing that i'm just talking about the legacy that we leave behind sure because this young man told me the other day, because he was living in a single household. His mom was a single mom raising kids, and I took the time out, and he sees how precious that time is now. He said it becomes more important to him as time goes on that he will never make the mistake that he's seen some other people in the industry do, and that was not take the time to 
shake his hand, to sign his autograph. And now he's an avid outdoorsman and loves it because he always thought he did. He just never got to go. First hunt he ever went on was with me and Mac. Mm. And, you know, that's that one child right there to me reminds me all the time of how important it is to do for others. And that's the legacy, part of the legacy that I've left behind. And I got grandkids now. Got a great grandchild on the way. So, wow. what kind of legacy am I going to leave with them? Be kind, be courteous, be good all the time. That's great. That's great. Well, we'll leave it there. And and no matter what happens to you, you can you can turn it into a positive. You can learn from it. Um, you can respond versus react. Exactly. And that's my takeaway from this as well. So thank you so much for joining me again. I really appreciate it. All right. God bless. I really hope you enjoyed that interview. I love talking to Bill about subjects like these because him and I just get on so many tangents together. We go off in a million different places, but it's all good, positive, you know, content. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did doing it. The one takeaway I'd like to, you know, have you take away from this podcast is that indeed it is not what happens to you, it's what you do with what happens to you, and there's hope out there. You know, the outdoors offers a lot, and there's a lot that we can do regardless of what happens to us in the outdoors, and, um, you know, hope is one thing I hope to serve you big time on this show is um is is learning something new it's getting out there and experiencing new experiences in the outdoors and that's what uh that's what we're all about with the mac and prowler team for sure feel free to check out our videos at macandprowler.com or predatorhuntingtvshow.com both will get you to the same website or my website at dustinsprojects.com i've got quite a few of my own hunting videos and tech tip segments and that kind of stuff that a lot of people learn a lot of different things from and I'm grateful to have that and also all we're going to do is start sending out a newsletter here pretty soon and that is the best of the outdoors newsletter I have an ebook that you can download as a free gift for signing up for our newsletter and all you have to do is just enter your name and email address at uh, macaprower.com or at dustinsprojects.com and you can download a copy of the best of the outdoors for free which is a ebook that I wrote of all of my compilation of all of my different articles and that kind of stuff. So thanks again for listening and have an awesome day in the outdoors.